Hello everyone, I'm Donatus Urbanas and this is another Urbanas podcast unofficially sponsored by the Turkish Basketball League because as my guests on today's episode, uh, Mr. Eric McCollum from Karşıyaka İzmir and a guy from Detroit with humble beginnings, Will Clyburn from Anadolu FS Istanbul. Hello guys. Hello. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? I mean, Eric, I mean, we're so glad and honored uh, to have Will on the spot because we're going to preview the final four in Kaunas and you couldn't find a better co-host than Will, who was the yearly champion back in 2019 and also won the MVP in that final four in Vitoria. So it's just great to have you here, Will. And I mean, we couldn't find a better ho- uh, co-host for this pod after all your team selection. So... Now let's be real. From one to ten, how much we were surprised of not seeing Will Clyburn in at least second All Euro League team. For me, uh, I was oof, I was probably at a nine. I was at a nine. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go probably seven, eight. I'm gonna go seven, eight. Uh, <laughs> I didn't expect it to look like that, but I'm like, okay, you know what? They have every right. We didn't make playoffs and whatnot, but. Still kind of surprised at the second team for sure. Even I some of the first team. Even some of the first team, I was kind of surprised. But, hey, I don't know who goes into that. I think the, the position list, the mixing and matching was very surprising. And then, you know, usually go by the best performance, you know, throughout the regular season. Domination statistics show it. You know, PIR, your stats, all those points. Everything throughout the year, and it wasn't like you were a bottom dweller. You know, FX was always in the mix. You know, maybe a game or two short of the playoffs, but in that mix, and it shows that they value performance because Darius Thompson, you know, had an excellent season. He also didn't make the playoffs, and he was on the second team. So, you know, I felt like that should at least put you there, especially knowing that the three position is extremely thin, um, not only in Europe but in the Euro League, and you're clearly the best three um, in Europe. So. And then with the numbers back up the argument. So definitely a surprise for like they dropped the ball there a little bit. And, you know, definitely should have been some different decisions made. Yeah. What what was your first reaction, Will? I mean, what were the message you were getting, I don't know, from your teammates or, or friends? Because it's it's pretty um, fresh thing. Maybe an hour ago before reco- starting recording this pod, we got you know, the second I, uh, I walked out of practice. I walked out of practice and walked to the locker room. Shane has his phone. We sit by each other. And he said, man, that's crazy. <laughs> and I said, what's crazy? He's like, you didn't see it? <laughs> and then he showed me. I said, hey, you know what? I'm not even surprised, but that's still crazy. Uh, it was – obviously, I wasn't going to dwell on it that much, but – on to the next thing, but uh, it was still kind of weird to see. Yeah, just to make it clear, uh, these uh, all year league lineups were chosen through a voting process that including members of media, yearly head coaches, team captains, and fans. So it's not like that yearly decided or hashtag yearly mafia or something or media is creating narratives and something. <laughs> so it was kind of combined voting, but at the same time, I mean, I see a co- at least a couple of problems with the voting process. First of all, I would give more voice to the players. It should be more than just captains uh, of the teams expressing their voices. Because yearly head coaches, they're really involved in everything. I saw that they, they chose the, okay, yearly 
head coach of the year. That makes sense. But I also saw that they chose the best defender of the year. And now having the same equal rights in this voting process, for me, it's weird. And of course, making it a positionless voting, I've never seen it before in the EuroLeague. I'm aware that that's how they did this voting this year because I remember I was kind of a bit surprised when I you know, opened the uh, voting poll and I was about to put my first or second. No, I think it was only about the first team. You couldn't put like first and second all yearly teams. And I saw that you can put the player from whatever position you want. You can basically go with all five centers with your uh, all yearly team. And I was like, okay, that's weird. That's interesting. But since I'm old fashioned, I put point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward and center. So, you know, this this whole thing in a, gu- a guards-driven EuroLeague to have two centers in the first team? Mm-mm. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Two fives in the first team is, is useless. Um, you know, I what think- would be your ideal uh, all-EuroLeague first team, Eric? For me, you got to have Mike James in there. Um, Easily. To the Final Four, uh, Monaco's a team that's not a power, um, plays great. Um, double teamed on a regular basis, boxing one sometimes, still performing well, lift the elevation of his teammates in their play. So, so sorry, know, no- sorry for sorry for interrupting you, Eric, but that's the third problem I have with this voting process. We should just cross the line between the regular season and the playoffs. Because yes. it should be different awards. We should award players for the regular season performance because playoffs is a tricky thing. What if Mike was struggling facing two or three defenders that Maccabi throw uh, at him during the series. I mean, it's good that Mike is great, so he kind of performed his way, but you cannot, you, you, you, it wouldn't be fair to underestimate guy just because, let's say, Alba puts, you know, this uh, box and one defense on him, he underperformed, and that's why he shouldn't be, you know, selected to any of these teams. I mean, there should be uh, awards only for the regular season performance because this playoff thing, I mean, it makes Eddie Tavares basically the best player in the playoffs and best player in the EuroLeague, the way he impacted the game. Yeah, and I think um, that's a valid point just because the regular season is 30 games. That's plenty of sample size. You get to see... 34. 34 games. You get to see night in, night out what everybody's doing. And when you get to the playoffs, it's three to five games. Um, So it's still not the same. Like somebody could have an amazing three or four games and, you know, if they weren't good all season, they're not worthy, you know, of a selection. So I think that, you know, he has to be in there. Like, okay, obviously, Rosinko, that's no-brainer, you know, probably the MVP, clear. Um, and then um, you got to have Tavares, you know, just his impact, what he did, everything, all season. That's it. But I'm not rolling um, with uh, Musa. Like, I, I don't think he needs to be there. Um, I think he's a good player. I think he had a good season. Um, but – what I've seen there is the Tavares effect for that team. You know, we've seen what happened when he's out, when he's in there. You know, we've seen through all that. I don't think that Musa had a better season um, than Wade Baldwin, uh, than Mike James, even Kevin Punter. So, you know, any of those guys could be there um, in that spot. And that's not a knock on him. It's just showing that the high level of play that those three guys played at was a little bit greater than his. Doesn't mean he's a bad player. Doesn't mean that I'm hating on him. Just means that he had a good season. They had great seasons. This is different levels there. And then, um, so you can pick your, your choose who you want out of that. Um, I do like, um, 
Lorenzo. I think he played great. Was uh, kind of a driving force all season. I'm not mad at that one. I mean, that's okay. But uh, I, and I'm one of the biggest Lasort friends. Like I think he is a great player. The energy, the effort he brings. But I don't think he was first team. So those two guys, I kind of would, you know, interchange and you know, get them out of there. Put them maybe, maybe on the second team. But me personally, I would put Clyburn over Musa in the second team. So he would be off for me. But you know, that's just my opinion. So are we all positive that playoffs goes into the voting for the first team and second team? I, I don't think so because because there is a because if if you team. T- if you take if you take playoffs away, then nothing against them. But to, I don't think Tavares yeah. makes first team. Exactly. If you take playoffs away, and if you do add playoffs, there's no way Wade Baldwin doesn't make first the team. First team, yeah. Yeah, that's a good if point. We did, if we taking playoff performances in the playoffs, what he did for Maccabi compared to everybody else, then you have to put him there. And I think they second half choose. of the second half of the season, he was great for them. So I don't really know what goes into it and how they kind of do all that. That's very confusing. What well, what would be the ideal voting process for you guys? Let's players say you're really deciding the future of all Euroleague team selection. I think players vote and coaches vote. That should be sufficient. Don't get the fans involved. They're just going to pick their favorite players. Yeah. That's it. They're going to pick their favorite team. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't get them involved because they're going to pick with passion, with, with, you know, with their heart, not with their brain. Yeah. It's just normal. Like I, My favorite team in any sport, Like I'm going to roll with that team more than I would um, the performance of someone on a rival team. Like you can't imagine someone from Madrid as a fan picking a player from Barcelona. Like it's probably hard to separate the two and somebody from Olympiacos picking a Panathinaikos player. Yeah. Although it's, yeah, we, it's I, you can go. Yeah. We definitely forgot about Sluka's playoff performance this year. Like exactly. he didn't make, and he make no team. So they, they had to be more consistent on how they want to do this if it is playoffs and just regular season. So they have to be more consistent about it. But if it's not playoffs, you announce the awards before playoffs start. That's what Mm -hmm. you should do. Announce the teams right after the conclusion of the regular season. If it is playoffs, that's fine. Then you wait to see the performances. But do you punish a guy who had three, four bad games when they had a solid 34-game season? Do you punish them? I don't know. Like, is, is the playoff overweigh everything? If somebody was average all season and then they were dominant in the playoffs, do does that elevate them? I mean, I know contractually, money wise, free agent wise, yes, but for the awards, does it? Yeah, it's just too confusing. Just yeah, and just for the rem- reminder, uh, all Euroleague first team includes Lorenzo Brown, Janan Musa, Sasha Vizenkov, Matias Lazort, and Andy Tavares. The second team uh, with Mike James, Darius Thompson, Wade Baldwin, Kevin Punter, and Nikola Mirotic. So as Mike tweeted, we're playing five out and zone on defense. Well, so so yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Uh, by the way, I'm just curious since uh, small uh, since small forwards are not getting uh, enough uh, recognition and respect in the Euroleague. Will, who do you see as the next best small forward in the Euroleague? Uh, uh, that's a tough question off, because first off, deck is a problem. Uh, yeah. 
no matter how you want to put it, uh, his one-on-one game is expanded. Uh, obviously, he gets you one way, and then he's strong enough to bump you. You can't bump him off his drive, so he's going to get to his spot no matter what's going on. And if you put a big on him, same thing. He's still bumping bigs off as well. So he's up there. Uh, I'm curious to see how his process turns out, but uh, I'm going to go Diallo from Monaco. Uh, Ooh, I'm very hi. curious on how, how he's going to turn out because if he can really add to his game offensively, and I mean really start becoming a knockdown shooter offensively, defensively, he's great. He's animal defensively. He's going to go and take out whoever you got. He's going to play aggressive. So I'm going to say those two for sure, uh, the next two, I think. Really? See, for me, obviously I got you. And then I do like Deck, and, but I like Shields from Milan. Ah, okay. Shields. Just not I, this year, I put, shield, I put Shields this year. in the two, though. I put Shields oh, in the two. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, I, was sick of that. I really liked him. And then then I like that. Those is uh, Yeah, Deck okay. uh, Shields would be my obvious choice as well, but just not for this year. Uh, yeah, he struggled kind of this year. Too much. Yeah, yeah. And Gabidek is just crazy. He he can he can bump even the center. He's not a mismatch right. for a center. So he he's a tough guy and he, he doesn't show any emotions, but he can kill you on the court in a sportsmanship way, I would say. Not in some other ways that other players are killing each other. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, Alpha Diallo. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I see a lot of potential in his game, but as you mentioned, he has to improve his three-point shooting. I mean, he was one of 14 in the series against Maccabi, and you could see that he, he suffers offensively. Yeah. They force him to shoot open looks beyond the arc, and he started you know, hesitating. He started making those two, three additional steps just to go uh, closer to the basket. And of course, it impacts the offensive flow. But if he will nail this, this, this thing, he's still young. If you, if, you look, if you look at him, man, he's usually the most athletic guy on the court. And defensively, if you've seen the, the frustration he does to opponents, you have to look at the little thing he's doing to him. He's grabbing him. He's... He's pushing the winner on the free throw line. He's doing little things to kind of get in your head. But offensively, obviously, you got to work on a jump shot. But then he's super athletic. He can get in the lane. So in a year or two, maybe yeah. if he really, uh, like I said, puts in the work, I think he's going to be really good. i like to see him um, get a little bit better off the bounce. Uh, obviously, he needs to improve his jump shot for the spacing, especially playing in the Monaco system with Mike. Um, he's going to get a lot of open corner threes. I'd like to see him, you know, add to Will Clyburn, the hard right drive, maybe the in and out into the spin. You know, he's a big guy, six six. it looks like, strong frame, wiry. He needs to get, you know, comfortable putting the ball on the floor, I think, and close out situations. And then I think the next step, and I think this is what helps your game, is your ability to post. Because guys who are quick, who can dribble, they'll just put a smaller guard on you, you know, a one or two position, and that could take that away. Um, and then he's not really a strong shooter, so if he can go – back to basket, maybe add a little jump hook, a little fadeaway in the middle. I think that can take him to another level, and then maybe he can be baby Clyborne, you know? That's a good comparison. <laughs> yeah, you should just teach him some shooting, as you also did this crazy break in, in your game as well, after Darushafaka years. Uh, uh, don't, don't, was it a don't haircut, or, or what made the difference? No, don't remind me. No, it was <laughs> the disrespect. Yeah, that's what it really was. The huge disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and since we have uh, a 2019-2019 Final Four MVP and EuroLeague champ, uh, I thought it was interesting to uh, involve Basket News Plus members into this podcast by uh, asking their, them to make some questions to you guys uh, for this podcast. You can actually become BN Plus members on basketnews.com slash plus. We have some great subscription levels. Uh, and also during this week for the Final Four, we have... We'll, we're going to have a lot of contents, uh, which will be also published on basketnews.com, but also in our BN Plus uh, community chat on, on WhatsApp. So uh, it's it's the best timing to, to join our community. So the thing is that I try to involve our readers into this podcast and ask them to make the questions for you guys. And I actually received an interesting question from Nikos Manaras. Uh, and the question was like this. Uh Hello, guys. Uh, I would like to ask you, your guests, what kind of teams are most likely to succeed in the Final Four format? The more compact ones or the ones with the most individual talent? What counts the most in a knockout game? So, basically, what's the formula of winning the Final Four? Man, in my opinion, man, it's going to take one or two big performances. No matter how you see it, you're going to have one or two guys that really need to play well. Like, the teams that are going to struggle are the teams that really can't create offensively. Because this is really not a home game. You're not in your arena. And the teams that do well can, like, really create and get their own shots. And that's kind of my input on it. Like, the teams that can't really create their own shots and really structured, I feel like those teams really struggle in a Final Four. Yeah. You made good points. I think, um, you know, to win a knockout game, you know, of that magnitude, you need one guy on the court that can't be guarded by one person. Um, yeah. I think that's important just because that person kind of creates a directional pull on the court. Everywhere they go, the opposing team goes, and that gets easy shots, um, layups or dunks for the bigs, um, closeout situations, all these advantages for the offense. So you need a guy or two who can consistently beat their man and who's not afraid of the moment. And sometimes that moment might be, you know, them struggling, missing shots, but they're not afraid and they're still going to take control, you know, in the fourth quarter or in the money time. And then I also think you need a little bit of depth um, just because you, you got to have you're, a deep team. You yeah. Because you're, you're playing like with one day rest in between um, and your main guys, it's, it's very difficult to play um, championship level basketball. And a guy might play 32, 33, 34 minutes, get one day rest and come back and have to do it again. And when you're the main player, you're getting face guarded, you're getting bumped, you're getting cut on, you're getting double teamed. Like you got to work so hard and then you're having to assist or score on all your buckets or your teammates' buckets. It's tough. So I think a little bit of death will help. And I think teams that are good offensive rebounding teams have always had success in the final four. Those teams that can get those ex extra possessions, second chance points, those good offensive rebound teams usually have success. So that's what I would say could be a good winning formula. And um, it never hurts to have a coach who gives freedom to the players um, because guys don't second-guess themselves. They go out there, they take risks. Sometimes in that structure, that system, like Will was talking about, if you're in a box and you know you the offense isn't working, everybody scouted you so well, they've been watching you all season, you're going to need someone who has some creativity. And if your coach doesn't allow you to have creativity or doesn't give that responsibility to the main guys, it could be difficult if that offense fails. 
Okay, so in in other words, from what I understood, you're ruling out Barcelona out of a <laughs> title race. And basically, fast forwarding this discussion, you probably put Monaco as a potential or as your front runners to win the EuroLeague. Did I r- read this situation out well? You, you know what? I, I'm not. I'm not scratching Barcelona just because, man. Barcelona just has so much size on that team. Like, just has so much. He's so creative at the point guard position on Barcelona, where he plays out of his. He plays out the comfort zone of everyone else. He's the only one I see on that team that just plays. Completely free, does does what he wants to do. Will sorry for interrupting you because you got frozen for like five seconds. But okay. it feels like you were talking about Nicolas Laprovitola. Yeah, it has to right? be. It has to be. Has to be. He's the only one I've seen where just completely plays free with no yeah. worries of nothing going on, and you know what? That helps. Uh, obviously. Yeah. Mike James, they got Mike James, Jacobo, and Lloyd. You have three guys like that that can each go for 30. Each mm-hmm. one of them go for 30. And on any given night. So, obviously, they're just – that's what you need. You you need something like that. And if if I'm going to take my pick, I hope this doesn't bite me in the butt when I say this. But for sure, I'm going to take Monaco first. Barca, Ooh. Madrid, Ooh. I, I really can't. Uh, Let, let's let's let's uh, let's talk about Barca a bit later. So, wh- why do you take Monaco over Olympiacos? Let's start from this uh, from this uh, me- semifinal matchup because okay. it's, I would say it's the most exciting one. Knowing the fan bases, uh, I mean, knowing the fan base of Olympiacos, mm-hmm. I would say. But knowing all this hype, all the expectation, the first seed uh, Euroleague team, you know, after getting all those good lessons from the last year, it felt like they were ready. To get the job done this year, but why do you see Monaco uh, putting uh, uh, like Olympiacos fans? Like I this? said, you got three guys that can get thirty, and you got for sure one guy that's a willing passer that cre- creates so much attention and is a willing passer and can give you thirty. On the other side, who's your go-to score? Who's going to go create his own shot? And I mean, create. They don't have another that. team. They don't have we that. had this discussion with Eric before the pod. I mean, Slukas. Probably. I think I think their best one on one player. Off a screen and roll. Yeah, if but, you switch, you can isolate that. I think the best one on one guy is Shaq McKissick. And that's because he's the he's just so quick, and once he gains speed, like it's hard to stay in front of him. But at the same time, you play off. Maybe he makes a shot. Maybe he does. Yeah. You really don't know, but who on that team can really say, hey, give me the ball. I'm about to go get a bucket. They don't have that. Yeah, so that's that's kind of why I say Monaco over them. Even though they're a great team, they have great principles. If you watch them, they're always on the same page defensively. You never see them missing assignment defensively. But it just worries me on the offensive end on how they would do in a game like that. Yeah, um, we spoke about this earlier in the podcast. I think the problem is, like you said, they don't have that go-to score. They have a really good team offense. They have good ball movement. But as we saw in the playoffs in the series against Finner, athleticism, length, and size can kind of take away from that ball movement. And Monaco doesn't have the size that Finner has, but they have the athleticism. 
They have yes. the speed. They have that. So like that could create some issues. And then another thing is Salukas has the play for their offensive flow, for the movement. But then Thomas Walkup has the play for the defense on Mike James or on Okobo. Yeah. So it's like you lose something. If you go with Salukas, you lose defense. Mike James will have his way or Diallo will have a, a mismatch with a smaller player on him and maybe something you can exploit with him attacking the paint. Or even Okobo or Jordan Lloyd, very good scores. So you know, who's he going to guard? Um, but you need his offense because he's kind of the orchestra of everything. He yeah. makes everything flow. But then if you go Thomas Walker, the offense kind of becomes stagnant. They don't have that pick and roll game. They don't have that ball movement. But then they're better defensively. The problem is they have a lineup that can be good on defense or a lineup that can be good on offense but cannot be both. And I think Monaco has the pieces to do both. And with yeah. the history of last year's matchup, we've seen it going back and forth. If it wasn't for home court, you know, maybe Monaco wins that series. Now we're on a neutral site. We're going to see what happens. Um, I do believe Olympiacos is the most complete team. But as we know, in the playoffs, it's about matchups. And I feel like yeah. Monaco is not a great matchup for them. No. Yeah. And to no surprise, Monaco won both games in the regular season. And only Monaco and Red Star, they were teams that swept Olympiacos in the regular season. What's also interesting that in this Final Four, Monaco is the single team that won the game against Olympiacos this year. And as you mentioned, the playoff series, they were really tight last year. And arguably speaking, I would say that Monaco improved a lot compared to the last season where they were so close uh, to make it to the Final Four over Olympiacos. And the, the game was basically decided in the last minutes of the game. And Tyler Dorsey was also very important for Olympiacos to clinch that victory. Again, individual talent that uh, Olympiacos might be lacking. Th this one one-on-one -on -one guy that they are lacking uh, of uh, this year. But just, just to make this discussion more interesting, and since I don't want to have at least 4,000 Olympiacos fans uh, going after me in Konas <laughs> this week, I, I'll take Olympiacos because I believe that they are since they're the most complete team, they have, I would say, the most com they play the com most complete basketball. And if they will get their job done before the crunch time, which they're capable of, just like what they did against Fenerbahce against Game 5, I really mm -hmm. think that, I mean, I think that also experience comes into play. And I remember I had this discussion with a few players, for instance, uh, Vasa Misic, and he said how much his approach, his mentality level of reading some particular situation situations was different compared to the first Final Four experience and the second or the third one. And the third one, he, he became the EuroLeague champion. So many of these Monaco guys, they're newcomers in the Final Four. Even for Mike James, it's crazy to, to know that it's only his second ever Final Four appearance. And I think that some of these guys, as even the playoffs showed, they might hit this weird mentality ceiling in the final four when everything is decided in 40 minutes and although i think that matchup wise monaco is very uncomfortable opponent john brown he can go after sasha Vezenko for 40 minutes you guys mentioned both forwards can play very good defense the only clear advantage i see in olympiaco side is uh, mustafa fall who's very uh, hard to stop uh, by monaco's defense but i really think that you know Olympiacos, they're so locked in uh, for for this mission, for this mission of winning the EuroLeague that uh, despite it being very tight game, I, I think that Olympiacos will come out on top. And that's a that's a good pick, only because I think whoever wins that series, I think will host the trophy, right? 
I just feel like okay. those are the two teams that are in good form, playing at a good level, and I like their style for a one-game format. You know, if it was a series, I would be inclined to pick a Barcelona. Um, I think they're strong as well. Their size, you know, I will thought they're well coached. Everyone does their job, but in a one-game format, I feel like that star power usually re- rears his head. Okay, okay, but so Eric, you also have Monaco advancing to the final, right? Yes, yes. I think I think it's time. It's time. I, I know. Man, you know, Olympiacos is going to have so much pressure, man. After coming back there last year, and they had to go back again. Monaco is going to just play free. Okay, they're going to go out to, there. It is happy to be there. They're about to go out there and play free, and then <laughs> you got. I feel like this Monaco just have dogs. Like, <laughs> that's how I feel. They just got dogs that are just hungry right now. So, I don't know. Uh, I really don't. I can't see them beating uh, Olympiacos beating Monaco right now for some reason. This, I guess it's in my gut, I guess. But I guess we'll see. I hope they don't come rain down on me after this. I might it's get gonna, off social media for a while. It's going to be a great game, though. It uh, will be, a, it'll be so. a great game. Yeah. I mean, I see you guys because uh, – my colleague at Adonis, he won't let me lie. Before this pod, I said, I will go with Olympiacos. But deep in my heart, I really think that Monaco has a better, is in a great situation to advance just because of all the reasons you mentioned and just being a very uncomfortable matchup, being the underdog team. Uh, so it's it's not going to be easy for Olympiacos. They shouldn't prepare for a big celebration conus, uh yet. And they, um, they fixed their team. You know, for last year, you can tell they literally went out and added players based on their loss to the Olympiaco series. I watched the series and last season they lacked another ball handler. You know, if you took away Mike James, what could they do? Paris Lee is a very good player, um, but he's not yet at that point of creation and being able to command an entire offense yet. You know, and he has sparks, but they went out and got a Okobo. They went out and got a Jordan Lloyd. Now you get bona fide scores who can play the pick and roll, who can score, who can fill it up, who can take over games. And they didn't have that. It was Mike had to go for 20 to five, at least 20 plus, maybe six, seven assists every game for them to have a chance. Um, And when he didn't do that, it was very difficult. Now he doesn't have to do that. He can score 13, 14 points. He can come out in the fourth quarter for a substitution to rest himself. And Jordan Lloyd can take the reins. As we saw in the series with Maccabi, like, they're more than capable. They went out and corrected the playmaking issues, uh, the lack of depth at the guard position. Um, the only thing they didn't fix is that shooting, um, you know, in the big position. But other than that, I think those three guards can power them ahead. But I would not be surprised if Olympiaco wins. I mean, they're the best team in the EuroLeague. Like, but this is one game. You know, it's like the NCAA tournament. The best team doesn't always win. Yeah, I agree with you. Like I said, uh, they definitely changed some things. If Mike went down with an ankle injury uh, uh, during the Maccabi game, if that happens last year, finish. Over. Because Mike didn't do anything for the rest of the game. So they added pieces where they can still operate without Mike in ways. Even when, yeah, they still can operate without Mike in situations. Even when Mike was sitting out this year, still operating, winning games without Mike being there. So they definitely added to help these situations. By the way, regarding this 40-minute game and single-game knockout uh, system, we had a question from Beyond Plus member. Would you rather go with the Final Four or the playoff series? Playoff series. 
I just think I um, it's good. It's good for basketball for those teams because you get to play on your home court. Gives a chance for a lot of European teams to make more revenue. You know, you're talking about selling out eighteen to twenty thousand, depending on the arena, depending on who you are. Um, that's a lot of money. You know, as my Zagiris people know. Um, but also, um, sometimes it's hard to get a ticket. You know, there's not enough seating. You know, with one game or two games, everyone doesn't get that that year elite Final Four experience. And if you had a series, you know, you would be able to bring the game to you know more kids, um, you know, more people who who love the game of basketball. So I just think it would be good for the viewers. I'm sure ESPN wouldn't mind with that new deal, having more games. And, um, you know, we saw how important and how good the series were. We had three five-game series. I mean, why not do it at the Final Four level? And I feel like the disparity is less. You know, back in the day, um, you know, the top two or three were so much greater than everyone else that you needed one game to give people a chance. I think now that gap has closed. And we saw it this year with, how close the margins was not only to get in the playoffs, but with those, you know, one through four or five teams, you know, kind of shifting playing musical chairs. So I would love to see you know, a playoff from, I don't know how far we away from that, but with them trying to expand and become a close lead, it only makes sense that they eventually make that move. It all depends on uh, how you want to look at it. If I'm a viewer, I love a playoff series, <laughs> <laughs> but, but if I'm playing, Oh man, I just see myself going home July. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, it all depends on how you want to look at it. Uh, that's a lot more games, man. Hey, hey, that's a lot more miles on the body. So it all depends on how you want to look at it. Viewer, I would love it for sure. I would love it. Watch those games, competitive. Playing wise, I'm not sure. What about uh, a best of sure, three? Though. What about a best of three? That's not too bad. And then you don't need to break. It does. It does feel like a fake series. I don't know. But if you go five, seven, five is good. (laughs) Please don't make it to seven. Five is good. (laughs) Because even this year, I mean, we had amazing playoff series. We had this crazy fight between Partizan and Madrid. We had this crazy fair fight between Maccabi and and and Monaco, Uh, and it was really good to watch those games to talk about those games for like a couple of weeks and it felt like the, the whole Europe was, you know, living with these series, Fenerbahce Olympiakos uh, as well. And now I really feel bad as a fan, as a content creator, that basically in three days, in three games, we will decide the outcome of the whole season. We were on this very exciting moment of the year. We just f- started falling in love with the playoff basketball and in three days and in, in, in, in three games, we will we will just, you know, ended up so quickly and then there will be this huge gap of best quality basketball until the national team competitions and and that's it so i guess your point about having too many games but maybe let's just try to make the season start earlier just fix some stuff with the national teams of these uh, crazy windows do something with the domestic leagues and then you know uh make it uh, some crazy uh, playoff series both for the semifinals if there are too many games. Okay, let's just play that final game uh, as they do in the uh, Champions League football. Final game, a single game, and that's it. But uh, as they do in the cha- uh, Champions League in football, they also have, in semis, they play home and away games uh, to, to, to no. extend so that soon, greatness. As so, soon as I retire, they can add whatever they want. <laughs> and y'all got enough foreigners anyway, all the, the teams that you can just send a... 
the foreigners who usually rest in domestic league, they can just go play domestically and come on back. Y'all get y'all rest. Y'all good to go. <laughs> you got 10 or 11 foreigners. You're fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the last thing from uh, about Olympiacos, we had this extended discussion about the all EuroLeague team selection, but the topic and the award that even brought Costas Lucas on Twitter was the best defensive player of the year award that went to Eddie Tavares and Costas Lucas came out publicly saying that, you know, Thomas Walker should have won that award. Who, who do you choose? Who do you pick between between these two? You go with Tavares or Walker? I think uh, for the year, I think Walker probably was better um, as impacting the defense, you know, from how he can kind of sometimes shut down a guy or, you know, make life really difficult. Um, he's strong. He can guard multiple positions. He can switch, but he's really good at denying, using his angles. He's high still guy, 1.8, 1.9. I think he did an excellent job. He's on a first place team, you know, it makes sense. But I think the viewers watch that partisan um, series that they see. I mean, Tavares has the biggest impact. Like there's no layups, no dunking. Like guys drive to the hole and then they just turn right back out. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like a criminal seeing the police and you see Tavares and you just turn right back around oh I'm not going to try that today and, and I was I was really impressed with him and I try not to be moved by by four or five games I try like all right focus on the season and before yeah. the playoffs I was like yeah Walker's probably gonna get it Tavares wasn't himself this season he was good but like I didn't feel the impact I watched that series I felt the impact. I, I, I'm with the viewers. I changed my vote immediately just because of the playoffs, and I probably shouldn't. You know, I shouldn't do this, but it was just a masterpiece defensively. Like, I mean, he stopped Lasort, who's a really good player who couldn't finish around the rim. He was getting blocked, or sometimes he was changing it. Um, if you, if somebody kept track of the altered shots, the ability to get out, move his feet, take away some of those shots off the screen. I mean, Punter was having to shoot um, three, four feet behind the line just to get the threes off just because Tavares had that paint in that mid-range area on lock. And Punter's probably one of the better mid-range pull-up shooters in a year league. And that kind of was eliminated from him in this series. And, you know, he still was effective. That's what great players do. But just to see him kind of take away part of people's games from the paint to the mid-range is, I mean, there's no one like him. And I understand why he got it. But this was a year walk-up probably should have got it because you could give it to Tavares every single season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, walk up was great this year, uh, and it was really, it was really no wrong pick here. But just the thought of Tavares, you definitely you you, <laughs> you you have to, and like he changes the game so much. Just being out there, you you second guess every little thing you do when it comes to going to the basket. You second guess every little thing. So I understand how much he changes the game, and I was telling the guys like. Tavares has gotten so much better year by year. Like, I can't say that he's got – he's taken a step back. Obviously, he hurt himself a little bit this year, but every year he's he's gotten so much better free throws, finishing, actually doing moves out the post. When he first got in yearly, he wasn't doing any moves out the post. They're like, hey, stay behind him and let him score over you. But now he's actually making moves in the post. He's finishing well, great hands. Defensively. He's an animal. Uh, obviously, you can try to take him out to the three-point line, and now you're going to bank on your bigs 
hitting three-point shots or taking them off the dribble every game. So that kind of tells you what type of game he's changing when it comes to the defensive end. He's a great player. Yeah. He's what he's what the Timberwolves want Rudy Gobert to be. How he's playing here. That's who they want him to be. Playing like that, affecting the game like that. that that's what I see. <laughs> don't, I mean, yeah, don't, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. I got some from my French guys tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> what do they say about Rudy Gobert? Not the most popular they, guy on both sides does. of the ocean. Some guys think he's he's top. What did maybe mm. they said top three, top mm. four in French players. Mm. Really? Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. We don't worry. We had these discussions a while. Oh, wow. uh, I don't see it, but I mean, he's yeah, top. Yeah, we, he's, we top not, we don't. he's top three or four paid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no love, no love for Rudy Gobert on this pod. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, I mean, as I said to you, Eric, in the previous pods and, and those games where Eddie Tavares showed up before the game five, I mean, when he was on the court, Partizan's two-point shooting decreased by 27% or something. So yeah. it, it just, even by numbers, it tells how crazy the impact is. But once again, it's it's all about the wrong system. I mean, not drawing a clear line between the regular season and the playoffs. So that's why sometimes we make some... Uh, recency biased picks uh, about some of these awards but going to barcelona and real madrid series do you think that this animal is enough of you know beating barcelona or even before i just want to to hear your thoughts i mean after this uh fight in madrid uh did that brawl and you know this yabsele ye move change the perception how you look at them uh, and their final four chances from the fans' perspective? Yeah, I'm rooting against I'm just, it. I'm going to just say this, <laughs> and I'm going to get it out of the way. It's no way they win that game, they win that series without that fight. It's no way. It's, it's, yeah. it's no way. Uh, I feel like Partizan lost way more in that that whole thing. Uh, they lost their, their key score, their key creator, two games. And a lot of other people just one game. It was I feel like it was it was bad judgment there. And they lost their first team all year lead big man. So yeah, it, was out, bad. it was bad judgment there. It was it was bad, man. So and I'm not even I, I'm not even a, a a fan of either team, but I just I'm just a just person and I feel like justice won't be served until Real Madrid loses and then I'll be I feel pleased. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I have nothing against Real Madrid. I just didn't like how how those sanctions and those suspensions went out. And I feel like it took away from a beautiful series. But yeah. I think Barcelona will beat um, Madrid because they have a secret weapon. Um, they have a pick and pop five man, you know, who yeah. who was at FS, you know, and who they used to keep Tavares out of the paint. Now he's going to be on the three-point line. That's going to create driving lanes. That's going to create opportunities for guards. If he leaves, uh, Sonali's a great shooter. Um, he can hit the mid-range consistently. He can step out, hit the three. So if he's clicking, um, I won't say he'll negate Tavares, but he'll take away a lot of those altered shots and those blocked shots just because you have to stay home with Sonali. And you can put him in all those actions, pick and pop him, get into dribble handoffs. And, you know, he has to stay close. He can't be helping. And that's when Madrid has to be more solid. 
they're used to being aggressive and funneling everybody to Tavares, and he kind of erases all the guards' mistakes. You know, Sergio Rodriguez is a great player. You know, not that quick or good defensively. Uh, Sergio loses steps, slower, older. You know, all those guys, Rio Fernandez. You know, they're going to have to be really solid on the bar. Hazonia, Musa, these guys are not defenders, and they rely heavily on Tavares um, to erase their mistakes. And with a guy like Sonali, you know, he won't be able to protect the team as much because he has to guard his man. Yeah, I'm on that. And you you losing Yabusele, you don't have a guy that can really be physical with uh, Nicola. Like, he's going to be able to really do what he wants to do on the court. And like I said, surprisingly, like, he's really physical when it comes to sealing, to posting up. And obviously, he can knock down. He can shoot it. He can shoot it with the best of them, but uh, I just don't see those two guys are going to be a game changer. And obviously, the other guy that I'm not going to mess up his name still. Uh, is, uh, is you mean Sebastian Lee? Huh? Yeah. Who, who was the guy you didn't want to mess the, mess his name up? Sebastian Lee. Oh, the guard. The guard. No, the guard. Ah, no, Labrutola, no, no. right? Yeah, I'm not going to mess uh, up his name. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to. It's not easy for us Americans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I'm not even gonna do him that way. Is Corey Higgins back? No, uh, no. It seems like uh, he's out for the rest of the season, which is huge. I uh, think, as you mentioned, uh, it's all about you know ISO play in, in those decisive moments, and except from La Provitola, it won't be easy for them to create those you know shots. But at the same time, as you mentioned, potentially or not, but potentially officially, the best defender of the year gonna be the main target on Madrid's defense. Uh, facing Barca and it all depends on Sertacian Lee if he's making those shots or not it depends on if Jan Vesely is making those mid-range shots also their defensive uh, pick and roll uh, coverage basically uh, you know uh, forces them to live with guards or those big uh, guys uh, making mid-range shots or, or sh uh, shots beyond the arc so that will be the, the story of the series uh, i think but at the same time i also pick barcelona because i just think that they're just a better basketball team uh, this year and five of their head-to-heads this season including the supercopa and the spanish league barca won three games and Two of these losses, the first one was basically the very first game of the season in Supercopa after having all these players coming from, from the Eurobasket and all these competitions. So you kind of get it, uh, can can get it, you know, why you lose uh, the game because it was so early. Barca had so many uh, adjustments during the summer, so many new guys. And the second loss was, if you remember, there was this crazy game with Sergio Yu having a 15.4 quarter, making some some Steph Curry uh, shots and then Janan Musa just killing it in overtime. So if you, if you, you know, exclude that... Objectively speaking, Barca was always in a situation where they controlled those games. Uh, so I would go with Barca. Uh, they, they're in a better momentum than they were last year when they choked at the end of the season. Because in the last two months, Barca lost only two games. So I think that's that's huge. So better momentum, better mood in the locker room, uh, potentially avoiding avoiding the game five situation. Uh, experience from the last year, I think that's... Playing in Kaunas for Sharuna which is that might be special. So I also see Barca going to the final. I think um, what could be interesting strategy, you know, just to switch things up, playing Miritich a little at the five, you know, to really stretch out Tavares, that could be something they could look at. He has a size. He's a footer. You know, he played some four or five in the league. 
I like to see him at the five, you know, maybe four or five minutes just to kind of really change the dynamics because well, he can really stretch the floor. You know, excellent shooter. Is, is Mike Toby still on the roster? Yep. Yep. yep. Yeah, they, they the played shooters. him together. Yeah, Oof. they played him together. <laughs> I'm very curious. Yeah. Who's who's gonna guard Tavares then on the other end, or we're we're going to play this free is more than two game? You know they they uh, gonna play mostly pick and roll. They're not gonna give him too many post ups right away. Yeah. They're gonna play mostly pick and roll. So you know you got to handle that, deal with that. But I know uh, Partizan just started switching. Uh, that created some problems uh, for their defense and fouls on the guards. But Madrid um, has smaller guards compared to. Um, Barcelona. So I think, you know, those big guards on Barcelona, they might be able to switch, you know, they're taller. Um, they have that size, that physicality. I'm not saying they're going to stop Tavares, but they can make it tough jump hooks. You know, when you're shooting over six, six, six, seven, you know, with Sansarinsky and, you know, Kalinich, those type of guys at the forward position is different when you're shooting over, you know, punter who's more thin in stature or a Yan Medar, you know, Nunley. It's not the same type of body as, you know, those Barcelona guards who are tall, stronger and long okay so i see you have monaco facing barcelona in the euroleague final on sunday who do you have lifting the title i'm gonna keep my i'm gonna keep my uh my vote secret and uh, <laughs> okay. i'm not picking one <laughs> no no seriously uh you know what man i'm gonna go your team, you know, I James. want Mike. I want Mike James <laughs> to win one, man. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm gonna be biased. I want him to win one. Uh, obviously, that's my guy. So uh, Corey's not playing right now. So if Corey's playing, then I would definitely just stay in the middle. But Corey's not playing right now, so I'm gonna go with Mike for now. So I'm gonna go Monaco. I want Monaco to win, probably. It's, oh, it's tough. It's tough because. I want to say the winner of Olympiacos and Monaco is going to host the trophy, but Barcelona is really good. <laughs> they're well coached. They're really good. It's like an oil machine over there. And they're going to make the game gritty. They're going to slow it down. Physicality. <sighs> like Monaco has advantage Olympiacos because they're running. You know, it's going to be up-tempo game, free-flowing. I don't know if they want to play that half-court game with Barcelona. Mm. I hate to say it, you know. I, I like Mike. It's my guy. You know, I already, he already gave me a hard time, you know, for picking him to lose to Maccabi, <laughs> you know, but I feel like if that's the matchup, probably will be Barcelona hosting the trophy. But I would love to see Mike get his, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope, but unlike the voters, I pick with my brain, not my heart. Uh, I'm pretty sure even if I were to pick Barcelona, I have a phone call right away. <laughs> he might block me. He might block me. <laughs> Hey, we got him. We got him beating Olympiacos, getting to the final. You know, that's one step. Yeah. That's two steps. That's not the last enough for Mike, no. <laughs> um, yeah, he wants that title. I know he wants it. And, you know, he's deserving of it. It's just gonna be, it's gonna be tough. But I, I, I started thinking about who else except for Mike James, where you know, one of these, not just American, but just your your yearly grades that they were, you know consistently showing the elite game but didn't win the championship i mean we have these discussions in the nba like oh charles barkley was great but he didn't win the, the title uh john stockton carl malone some some some other guys i believe that 
Mike is in that very rare company of historical players not winning the title. So not sure if this this one, this final four is the one, but yeah, I would love to uh, I'd love to see him winning the title. Yeah. Just not sure about this year, but at the same time, he's not getting younger, so and, and then that salary cap now or never. That salary cap in France <laughs> is, is not gonna help. Not gonna help the opportunity. So he gotta go do it now. Do it now before that luxury tax hit. Or they can start paying people under the table like Asville. Just don't get caught. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Pr- probably the other figure would be Kate La- uh, Keith Langford. Yeah, he was That's one of the these... only guy I could think of. Yeah, legend. and he just retired recently, and he's appreciated as one of these uh, legends uh, from the United States. And he never won the Euro League, so it's a bit unfair, I would say. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I also have feelings that it's going to be hometown kid, Sharuna Sisikavich, is taking all the glory in Konas with Barcelona. So <laughs> maybe next time, Mike. Maybe next time. <laughs> hey, if he wins, we got to bite him on the show. He's coming on the show for sure. He's talking crazy. He's going to talk crazy. <laughs> And we won't be able to say him nothing for like yeah. five minutes of his <laughs> of, of him ranting on the podcast. But yeah, <laughs> we, you might have be to a change, platform. You had to change the name of the show for one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike James podcast. One day yeah. he he earned it if they win it. <laughs> that's the deal. Yeah, that's the deal now. No, but uh, putting jokes aside, and honestly speaking, I think that Mike James is playing the most matured basketball that I've seen in many years. Uh, being the all-around leader for his inexperienced team, taking the responsibility, either facing a double or triple Maccabi defense or even hostile crowd like in Tel Aviv. And not just his game, but his presence and character calms his team down. And I don't really think that you can ask much more from him than he delivers now. So I think it's more about others now to step up big time to help him to win that trophy. Uh just for the end of the podcast, since ESPN will stream the Final Four, they started streaming the Euroleague games since the Game 5 uh, of the playoffs. What would be your selling point to your US friends, American basketball fans, or just regular people who watch NBA basketball and have this opportunity to watch the Final Four? What would be one tweet you would send them all to convince to tune in the Final Four in Kaunas this week? I'd say um, it's like the NCAA tournament, the Final Four, but on steroids. Um, better athletes, more skilled players, um, better atmosphere, um, more in a line. Um, so you still get that love of the game, like a college athlete, an amateur, but you're getting the talent and the ability and the skill of professionals. Man, I would probably just post a video of uh... – Mike Brown being at the Olympiacos game <laughs> and seeing that arena. Uh, that's that's enough for me to watch anything, probably. If I would have seen that, I would probably tune into anything they had to put on <laughs> if, I have, if I had to make a choice right there. I would probably actually put KD's uh, oh, video yeah, that from the last crazy. year's playoffs. That was Apocalypse. crazy. Apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just... 
I, I just hope that Olympiagos fans, they won't make the apocalypse in Konas because Konas actually rebuilt it quite nicely in the last few years. So it would be, you know, sad to see them being destroyed. Well, they're going to tear that arena up. They win that championship. Y'all going to have to replace a lot of seats. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it was a pleasure to have you guys uh, on this pod. Uh, Eric, my frequent guest and teacher uh, for European listeners, and also Will, you're you're our all Euroleague team member in our hearts. So <laughs> it's great to have you here, and just don't be sad about that. Yeah, we uh, appreciate man, you, know, you, brother. You know, it's crazy. As soon as I walk in the house, my wife says something right away. He says <laughs> something right away. I'm like, all right, it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. The wives don't play. They they gonna man, go to bat. They, they, they be into it, man. They be into it. Hey, she knows the game. She she knows what yeah. we see. Yeah, got to respect her basketball intelligence. I'm right with her. I, I, you know what? She she called out one ASAP. I said, all right. <laughs> <laughs> she called out one ASAP. I said, all right. you, you should let them tweet. You should let them be more oh. vocal on Twitter. That <laughs> would create some great content for us, actually. Uh, maybe to run the business more smooth. Uh, yeah. We people be having beef on the flow. So, what yeah. your wife say to me? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a fact. Because they watch just as much yearly games with us. They sit there and they watch all the games. They, they listen to all really. the podcasts. Yeah. yeah, that's the feedback I've got from some players. So we have to be careful with what we are saying. Yeah, because the wives run the household. They'll come back with his <laughs> vengeance. <laughs> okay, everyone. Thanks. Thanks all for listening. And just make make sure you please all your wives uh, at your home and stay tuned with basketnews.com. 